It's Rugby Ranter Ranter, episode 202. Hi shitties, it's me, Eddie Stevens. Now, you're probably not going to believe this, but uh, that wasn't the official Rugby Ranter Banter intro. That was not a recording, that was actually me using my voice. My mouth. I just did it just now, as I'm talking to you. And uh, the reason I did that is that I had some technical issues uh, uploading the the intro. The, uh, the, the issues are frankly none of your business, uh, or mine, because I'm not sure what the issue is. All I know is I recorded a special episode of Rugby Red Banter with brother James Mooney from uh, Tribe Talking Podcast, the Exeter Chiefs uh, podcast. And uh, we, did, we did it on Skype, and Skype's a bit of a twat of an app. And uh, it just made things difficult. And I just can't be asked to figure it out. And I don't need to because you heard that intro. And if I hadn't explained it to you, you probably wouldn't even have noticed the difference. So um, just forget about it. Don't worry about it. Sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the crazy ride of Rugby Ranta Banter. Here it comes now. Listen. Hi, Sheddies. It's me, Eddie Stevens. I'm not in my shed. I'm in my bed uh, because I'm extremely tired. It is 12.54 p.m. on a Tuesday. I attempted this podcast with my special guest on a Monday morning, early on a Monday morning, which is offensively early for me. I always do rugby rants and on a Tuesday afternoon because Mondays essentially my day of rest. A lot of people have their day of rest on a Sunday, but Sunday for me is a very heavy workload. And I do that deliberately as a spit in the eye of God. And um, let's not do any more of that today, though. Let's get cracking with a really fucking good podcast. Today's guest has been on before, but it's been way too long. Years, I think. Years? Three, three lockdowns? Oh, my God. Um, one of my favorite guests, though, one of the rare treats where it's a podcaster who I listen to enough that I feel like I know him and he listens to me enough that he feels like he knows me. And so we're best friends. Um, Sheddies, please welcome into my pretend shed, my bed, my sleeping shed, uh, James Mooney. What's up? What's up? <laughs> wow. Did you see that, actually? The Saracens Bristol um, media stuff. Uh, I don't know. Oh man! Remind me. They did a. F- um, you remember the old Budweiser advert? Yeah, the what's that? Yeah, they, they did that. It was the fucking cringiest thing I've ever seen. It's, Bristol. It sounds cringy. Socials, but it was terrible. But, yeah. You know what happened when you when you told me that my penis started retracting. You were scared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We- yeah, I was explaining to James, uh, or sorry, really you, to Mooney, yeah. um, the, uh, the, the unfortunate truth that when you get really scared, your penis shrinks uh, as if you're cold. And I pointed out to him that when you're feeling insecure, literally the worst thing that can happen is a small penis. It should get bigger. We should become sexually aroused. That's, that would be weird. Would be yeah. a good defense mechanism, though. If you're scared because you're under attack and then you pull out an erection, most men, if you're under attack from a man, will run away. Yeah, well, 100%. And I know that from from, from experience. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I've, I've just found out that I turns out I'm scared all the time. 
So, <laughs> are you scared right now? Oh, Mooney, put that away. Jesus. Right, this is a video chat. I should, I'm turning off my video. Impressive, though. Um, is it impressive? A huge yeah. erection, but it's caused by intimidation. Yeah, I mean, it would intimidate even the, you know, the hardiest of folk if you... That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a weird... What a, what a weird start to a podcast and very much uh, in keeping with Rugby Ranter Banter, so that's good. Um, yeah. I had somebody actually said, because we're getting close to 100 episodes and we, we are... So, yeah, we are so... Well, yeah, but we've only been... You know, we, we can't be asked sometimes and... Um, how long have you been? How long have you been podcasting for? Three years. Three and years. yeah, we've been longer. No, it's amazing. Three. Yeah, and and um, we're not actually really a rugby podcast. It's, we so we call ourselves a lifestyle podcast. So yeah, you know, if we don't want to talk about rugby, we don't have to. Yeah, that's fair enough. I have been accused of not being a rugby podcast. I call myself a rugby podcast, but. Um, most of the brethren insist that that is not what this is. I don't know what it is. It's not lifestyle. Yeah, uh, well, I get actively annoyed if we talk about too much rugby. Yeah, it is distasteful to talk about too much rugby. Yeah. We haven't talked about any of it yet, and um, we might not. We may never. No. Um, I'm trying to think how long I've been podcasting for. You must be about six years. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Well, that would be because you've just done two hundred, right? Um, yes, so I did. I think this is. I think this is episode two hundred and two. If you do one a week, and you're and I've done three years, and I'm nearly at a hundred. Um, oh, but there's huge gaps in mine. Huge gaps. Do do you um do you stop in the off season? Well, I'm not supposed to, but. I just had a lot of shit going on in the, over the last few years. I got divorced yeah. um, and all good. sorts of other stuff. So I've literally had uh, Owen Farrell-style uh, mental health breaks. Mm. Sometimes that's the best podcast, though. No, I really should have kept pod- Well, actually, I should have, but I, if I could have, I would have. Trust me, I was a, just a miserable little bitch during that time. But... Um, we released a podcast that um, was an hour and a half of a laughing track looped when, <laughs> when Saracens uh, lost the final to... Uh... <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's great. And it got, um, like, it got like 300 listens. <laughs> incredible. Uh, one guy said he put it on to listen whilst he was on his like stationary bike. And yeah. <laughs> So he's 10 minutes in, he's like, yeah, this is going to keep going, isn't it? Um, <laughs> very nice. Uh, um, so, yeah, we, we were saying for our, like, what people people saying for our 100, oh, get some other podcasters on and do bits from their shows. And I thought I could ask Eddie, but it, we would just be talking about rugby erotica. So, yeah, I mean, well, trans trans erotica mainly uh, is my area of expertise. But to be honest with you, I haven't done that in a really long time. Yeah. Um, I got bored of it. I should say really quickly, I should have said this right at the start, you know, in case any Sheddies aren't familiar with your podcast, it's the Tribe Talking podcast, an Exeter Chiefs podcast, the number one Exeter Chiefs podcast. I heard you mention there's another Exeter Chiefs podcast, but I don't think it's important, well, is it? There's, 
there's another i don't think it's an excellent chiefs one but it's uh they talk about local devon rugby and they've got professionals ah. with them yeah so you know it, we, yeah we've been you know we're, we're sort of ingrained in the community now so they, they've challenged mm-hmm. us to the cooking contest yeah i heard that which that you know and the, the jokes like- when you challenge someone to a drinking contest, you have to pay the tab. Have they responded to that? I heard you say that. Are no, they willing to do that? Funnily enough, not yet. So, but Jesus, yeah. an Exeter podcast drinking contest that is rife with uh, potential problems. Problems you might not need right now as an Exeter Chiefs fan. What's it like being? Do you know what? What's it like being a Chiefs fan? Like, first of all, we went through the whole. Um, Native American, not yeah. craziness. Um, and then there's the the situation with Ugo Monia we're going to get into. But even ignoring all of that shit, Chiefs are not in a good place just in terms of rugby. Do you mind um, if we talk rugby? Yeah, no, fine. Um, yeah, so <laughs> we had we had like the you know it's it's almost like a Greek tragedy being a Chiefs fan because we only got to watch us win one final. <laughs> In person, right? Yeah, we lost three to Saracens, and then when we actually won, it was COVID, so we won the Heineken Cup. And, oh, yeah. and but it doesn't feel like it because yeah. none of us. Um, and then obviously Baxter made his uh, he made his decision to commit to that team because he knew right we we could win the Heineken Cup. So when all the other clubs were, you know, redoing contracts, Baxter just committed to that squad, and he knew. Well, in a couple of years, they're all gonna they're all gonna want all this money and go. Mm. So he's just kind of ripped the plaster off in one go. And the last couple of seasons have been pretty shit. <laughs> Ever since we started the podcast, actually. Um, yeah. Ironically, so they've been well, no shit. They've been up and down, and they you know all these like. Because at the start of the season, I, I, I you know I don't even like to get excited about. Um, <clears throat> Who's playing well and who isn't in the in the Premiership? Because it's so topsy turvy the form, yeah. right? Because at the start of the season you spanked Saracens. Although I did point out to you that is not that was not their first team, right? Um, and I like Saints spanked Saracens. Well, I didn't spank them. We I think we won yeah. by about a point, but it felt like we spanked them. Yeah. But you know, I was watching that match, and it's Saracens. Yeah, their second team is still probably better than most, maybe everyone else's second team, but they are definitely a different side when Owen Farrell isn't playing. Yeah. He's not playing against Saints, and I don't know if we could have won that match if he had been there, unfortunately. Yeah. But he anyway, has, yeah. He, yeah, he has a huge effect, doesn't he? And um, that first game of the season, I was thinking, oh, we're going to get pummeled. But we, right. then we, if, if, if Henry Slade could have kicked that day, we'd have put like 80 points on them. Right. So, yeah. evidently, really good at home. And I can see Baxter's cooking up something. You can see, really? you, and now it looks, yeah, you can kind of tell now. You, even, we're, we're two million pounds under the cap. Hmm. You know, so there's, obviously, there's a, there's, they're trying to stabilize the club financially. Everyone suffered through COVID. Tony Rose bought the hotel and stuff like this. But he's got a really good group of young players there. You're going to get yeah. taken to the cleaners every now and then. It's easy right. to 
but it, it was harder to take last year when you've got British and Irish Lions yeah, yeah, yeah. Play, playing like shit. Whereas now, yeah. when you see a young lad making a mistake, and you think, well, it's all right. You, you know, he's learning. So, yeah. It's, if a, I will a, say... Go on. Sorry. I was just going to say, I will say, like, um, not that one player is necessarily going to make that much of a difference, but talking about young players, when Exeter, in the first two or three matches of the season, were looking really good, their absolute standout player was Josh Hodge. Yeah, I got fucking and, injured. And yeah, I blame myself because I started hyping him up big time. My shaders yeah. touch got all over him too. But but one of the best signings we made was uh, from Saints was this was Aaron Painter, and he came right. Yeah, so he came in la- midway through last season, and we didn't see him. There was some like contra- controversy around some drink driving allegations and stuff like that. And oh, thought, I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah, I think he lost his license and stuff. Another... And then I thought, oh, I, I was going to say, I, yeah. Go ahead, <laughs> I, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> but I thought Bax has like got pissed off of it and buried him. And we didn't see him. Right. And I think, I think what happened is they just went full Frankenstein monster on him and just li- and fed him and, sc- and just made him hit scrumming drills all summer. Yeah. <laughs> six months and he's come back this season he's a tall guy he he wore the biggest shirt the club's ever had to have made or something i know and you know what's weird i i remember i i told i was watching a, a match um with him in it with my girlfriend and i pointed out to her that he had worn the biggest ever shirt and she was like he must be really tall because he doesn't look that massive do you know yeah. what i mean but I, 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 like, I, I mean he does look massive to me but he doesn't look like the biggest shirt wearing player would I would imagine no. would look. Let me say that. Uh, yeah, he, he's a bit yeah, it's rough watching him run. He's not the most mobile. <laughs> yeah. He, I always think like these, you know, these like dynamic props that can work as the pivot and throw the ball around. It for from like twenty fifteen to twenty nineteen, that's what everyone wanted. And then South Africa were just like, Yeah, you don't need that at all. Right, right, right. Fucking push the scrub, and I think that's what Baxter's kind of like. Uh, hang on a minute, let, yeah, let's go back to having a beast scrum. So, yeah, for, for Chiefs fans, um, I think people are more excited about this now. This process, it feels like we've gone back nine years. So, yeah, and I mean, yeah, if there was a coach that you would sort of have faith in to do a project like this. Um, it would be Rob Baxter, but I will say, like, you've got your finger more on the pulse than me, so I'm just yeah. sort of vaguely paying attention to Exeter. But from my view, from the outside, where I feel like things start to go wrong, is like at the time it didn't make sense. And I know you've this is going to be going over stuff you've talked about a hundred times on your podcast. But um, when they started this process of trying to replace, or at least bring in uh, Skinner as uh, uh, Joe Simmons' understudy and possibly felt like replacement. Yeah. That felt at the time, and looking back, looks like the beginning of the end. It yeah, seemed like so, a like, poor decision. But... You're, yeah, you're right. Something happened with Joe Simmons where he basically got, he, he was awarded an MBE and then yeah. decided to stop playing for two years. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is that what it was? 
Well, he, he, he said to Baxter he didn't want to be the captain anymore, so Baxter was like, fuck you. Um, yeah, that's a weird thing to, to tell him. Yeah, um, he wasn't happy about it, evidently. And then I think, yeah, he's he's been pushing this Skinner at 10 thing for a while, and it's it's now the biggest talking point amongst the fans. That be, yeah. The fans had an issue with, the, with our scrum half situation for the last few years. Um, yeah. But we've had a, good, a couple of young lads come through that look pretty good, so everyone's kind of okay with that now. But now they're an issue. Skinner's basically our only 10. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> unless you decide to put Slade back there, and that's... Yeah. But then, you know, is you could put Slade there, but he's world-class 13, so he might as well just play 13. But, but every time I think about Slade, I think about, you know, when he first came on the scene, Yeah, wasn't he the start, starting fly half um, for England's under twenties when they won the World Cup, when I think they had, did he have Farrell at twelve? Uh, no, I don't think it? it wasn't. His, no, it was a different age group than that, wasn't he? He's young, he's slightly okay. younger. Yeah, I feel like there was another. There was somebody. At, oh, maybe maybe not. Um, but then uh, when they won the World Cup, I'm sure he was the ten. Um, yeah, he definitely was, and he looked like the golden child. But very yeah. early on, they started this. They pushed him to center, and who knows? Who knows if that was a good idea? I don't fucking know. But he's done all right out of it, hasn't he? So, um, but yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, yeah, he has. But yeah, um, so rugby side of things, not not great right now. But you have um, faith in Baxter that he knows what he's doing. Not great, but not shit. So, it, yeah, this. Yeah, is the, I mean, this is the best I've felt in three years. So, oh wow. Yeah, so yeah. That, read into that what you will. But yeah, I mean, outside of rugby, we're still a bunch of, you know, pitchfork-wielding racists. Um, well, that's obvious to everyone on the outside. <laughs> well, let's yeah. talk racism, shall we? Like, I, I don't want to, like, I don't like, I, like, I don't like being hyper, uh, hyperbolic, or speaking hyperbolics, as I call it. But I yeah. think there's a good chance we could solve racism today. Okay, I don't think that's... Going too far. But yeah, two white guys, yeah. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's just get into it then. So, um, let's see, how can I start this? Everybody's aware, everybody listening to this is aware of the, uh, the Ugo Monier incident from, uh, it's not even that long ago now. What is it, three weeks ago? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, at Exeter Chiefs, um, where... Allegedly, someone called him the N-word or yelled the N-word in his presence. And he felt attacked and didn't have any support from anyone. So we all heard this news. And then I had, I thought, this incredible insight, this connection to, the, to what really happened at, um, you know what, Freudian slip almost said Sandy Hook, which is, of course, the, the school in the US where a bunch of kids got shot. Um, Sandy Park... <laughs> um, I was like, I was, I messaged Moody, basically bragging that I had all this information about what really went down, and then it turned out that I was talking to the person who was the actual, the actual source of the information. I was getting it secondhand from <laughs> someone else. I just didn't know it was coming from from Mooney. So, so Mooney, um, I'll just very, uh, you know, let me very briefly over it so yeah Hugo Moni was uh, at an Exeter Chiefs match after the game 
he tweeted that someone had shouted the N-word once or twice, can't remember. And sort of in my head, the picture was a maniac had run across the pitch screaming the N-word and that he yeah. had gotten, and then everyone just sort of shrugged and that was that. Uh, and yeah. Hugo was very angry about it. Um, from your, you obviously you weren't there to hear it, but you spoke to the actual individual well, that is alleged to have done well, it. What, what's what's the story? So we, um, I sit in this like because we've got this podcast. I kind of we have this like community around us. So as soon as that happened, as soon as this tweet went out, the second tweet was like basically indirectly accusing all Chiefs fans. He's like, no one did anything, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I, I mean, I read it and I was like, oh, no, no chance that's ha- like, that doesn't happen in Devon. That was my immediate reaction. That seems so far-fetched that this guy was running through the crowd. Yeah. The and to anyone yeah, listening, yeah, I just, I just have to say this. Um, yeah. I mean, most of the people listening to this are going to be English white men in their 30s yeah. or 40s. Yeah. But to anyone who's listening that doesn't fit that a demographic, just know that there is nothing more terrifying to a white man in the Western world than being accused of being a racist, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that we, it, generally, you're never, ever, ever going to put yourself in that position, and it's very delicate. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. So that was my thought, too. I was like, what kind of a maniac would have done that? So he said, he said in his tweet, it was like, um, when you've witnessed the most blatant racist thing ever, blah, blah, blah. And then in our, like, sort of community, um, straight away, this guy was like, he's talking shit. Yeah. I, I literally watched the whole thing. Um, and he gave us sort of his his viewpoint of it. Um, and, uh, th- you know, there was a really couple of key bits of information <laughs> left out. Uh, yeah. One is the the, the, accused, the accused race and the accused nationality. So he right. he put the tweet he put the tweet out and just let you know let it burn and let I think the information that he left out that you know the guy was sort of a, a mixed race South African guy that had said it. I, I mean, I personally think that changes everything. Um, I do want to. Uh, this is my biggest question. Because yeah. it does matter. Yeah. When you say mixed race, like what ratio of mixed? Because I know some people, I know a, a, a pair of brothers, and I mean they're actually related to each other, it's not brothers, yeah. um, who are half black, but they look white. And then there's plenty of people who are half black, but they look and they look completely black. So um, what are we talking about here? <laughs> That's such a weird question. I'm so sorry. Obviously black. Okay, thank you. Yeah, obviously. So, um, to me, like, you know, to me personally, if I witnessed that, I would be. It would take me time. It would take me a lot of time to process that. Yeah, and that's what most of the people who were there said. They said, "Yeah, we nothing happened straight away because we thought, what the fuck is going on?" Yeah. Oh and, yeah, I can't even imagine. Um, you know, it, to be honest with you. And sorry to cut you off, but I put myself in that position, in that situation. And even if it was like a crazy, I mean, a crazy white man running around yelling the N-word, you'd sort of, I'm not sure how I would handle it, just because that person would obviously be insane. Yeah, exactly. And you, you want to, 
you want to protect yourself. One guy was livid because his kids nearly got wiped out by the scuffle that happened. Right. Uh, which yeah. is a completely acceptable thing to be annoyed about. And then um and and then when you found out they got this this, you know, the potential the guy being accused was South African. And mm-hmm. I, I was led to believe that Sia Khaleesi de- deleted racism in the <laughs> Oh, it's my biggest pet peeve is the is the pious fucking attitude of South Africans when it comes to uh, racism. Yeah. Like, look, we let black people's play. Well, congratulations. But the, so, so that was the, the first load of information we got. And then more information was coming in that this guy was actually talking to somebody else. Um, he was saying this word in like right. an interview to his friend. And then Monier lost it this is this is the you know what we we were getting told and um and then i thought about it and i thought if this guy has come from he's come from south Africa, culture yeah the culture like the, you know the cultural difference of a guy that's flown over from south africa for a few weeks to monier who's you know born and raised uh, i think i think he was born in the uk but yeah he's he's lived here Six-figure salary. Um, went to Lord Wandsworth College. Definitely more privileged than me, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and he's... But this is what I found weird about the situation, that especially when you found out the guy he, that's accused, because this guy's got no power at all. Mm. And, and, and and that's why I just think the whole thing is has been blown out not maybe not blown out of proportion but it's so bizarre and all of the chiefs fans are annoyed because we feel like we've been just dragged through the mud again god i mean yeah obviously hugo monier couldn't make it for this podcast so he can't defend himself <laughs> but i haven't like i haven't really followed it closely is it just he hasn't responded to to this i know that he wasn't happy with some comments from certain podcasters uh, basically saying what what you're saying but has he have there been any developments in this because it's a it's a very serious allegation and he's made a very very big deal out of it to me it's not something that can be dropped i don't know how it would just go away nothing will nothing will come of it but bizarre uh, yeah it was the most of because nothing will come of it that's yeah, you're right. You're right. Sure, because the 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 and the trouble is when you when you put the you put a tweet out of, with some vague information, and then people want to know because especially Chiefs yeah. fans, minute we we need some more information here because we're all being told we stood by and watched this horrendous racist attack, most obvious one you'll ever see. Well, we need more information. So then everyone's gone out to find their own information about it. And then the information they fi- they found out doesn't add up to what's been said. Right. So if you... And this is the problem. It's that because obviously the police have got involved. And then they've said, don't say anything, Ugo. Right? Mm-hmm. But then everyone else is going to make up the rest of it because of that sort of blanket accusation. So... And right. De- Devon's a small place. Everyone fucking knows each other. The, the Chiefs community is small. Everyone will then find out th- what actually happened um, or a- an eyewitness. And then 
that's people are going to make their assumptions based on that. Yeah, and like you said uh, on your own pod, actually, the Chiefs fans have have had to deal with a fair amount of that kind of bullshit already. Yeah, we, um, but the trouble is as well, you know, these sort of identity politics you have in the big cities are completely different to what you would have in somewhere like Devon. It, so, you know, I mean, when we were when they had the whole branding thing, there was like old women that were in tears because people were because there was photos of them with a headdress on and they were getting called Nazis. So people were. <laughs> yeah, you know, people you've you've um, you've gone quiet, by the way. Um, Still quiet. There you go. No. You're, you're, you're going in and out. Can't hear anything. No. There. Yes. Go, yeah. Now, now, is it is it better or worse than before? Well, I can actually hit. It's fine. Now it's fine. But okay, because before I was using my Bluetooth headset, and now it's just the phone's microphone. It's yeah, on. what I said was when you were talking about how identity politics is not really a a sort of Cornwall Devon. Sorry, I use those terms interchangeably, even though it's not the same thing. Um, not really the sort of thing that people are worried about. And I, what I said when the phone decided to mute me. Uh, was I imagine inbreeding is a bigger issue? Uh, yeah, well, you could say that again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Can I just say because I, I was thinking when we we're talking about this, it's like first of all, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think anyone's first reaction when they read Hugo's tweet it, without context, I don't think any. Well, I would I would imagine the majority, the vast majority of people's first reaction is fucking hell, what? That's terrible. Right. Yeah. It's not like yeah. it, the average rugby fan isn't completely insensitive to stuff like this. Um, but just to play devil's advocate, like I, I kind of. So so if you want to defend the guy from South Africa, first of all, it's very easy to say he's he's come from a different culture completely. And by the way, he probably comes from a culture. Well, not probably. He comes from a culture with real racism. Right. Like, yeah. He's dealt with real shit. And, and, and the funny thing is, from my understanding, if you're from that kind of a background, you're not as sensitive to, to uh, say a word. Yeah. It's not going to upset you as much. Um, on the other hand, you know, just to play devil's advocate and just to be fair to Hugo Monier, yeah. you know, I can imagine, and I have to imagine because I've never been black, I should state that right now, that it could be you know, I, there's things that trigger me that don't have anything to do with actual prejudice. Um, trying to think of something like this is going to sound really ridiculous, but in the US, um, at least once a week, someone will go, "Oh, you from England? Oh, hello, governor. Hello, would you like a cup of tea?" And it's it makes me so fucking angry because not because it's deeply offensive they're not trying to even be mean but i'm yeah. so fed up with hearing it it's like they don't know that it's the 
2,512th time someone's done it to me that day. So yeah. it's like so, seeing a tall person anywhere. Being what? It's like being tall, isn't it? And someone says, oh, how's the weather? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Exactly. It's like, it's not inherently bad to be tall. In fact, most people would rather be taller. But yeah, yeah. it could probably get tiresome to have it mentioned. Yeah. But this is not even a good um, a good comparison. But my, my point is, if I imagine growing up in England black, yeah, you may have heard things enough that you can get triggered quite easily yeah. and and what and and and, and i yeah i can give him a pass i can i can absolutely um accept that maybe he heard the words yeah and um you know, whatever his history is of of hearing that whatever he's gone through because we don't know it triggered him and he saw red and, and I, yeah but that's kind of how i think right and that's is yeah. i think he's misread the situation yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. It sounds based on without... what information I have. Right. Because the situation, because the now I can't remember if you said it during this conversation or if you said it when we were chatting before. Yeah. Did you say, yeah, you did, that he was essentially having a phone conversation with someone else, another South African, right? Yeah. He was talking to somebody else of the same race as him and the other same person. Race. And Wharton. I mean, it's kind of like, it sounds kind of like, um, you know, walking through the streets of Harlem and hearing say, hearing a black man say, yo, what's up, N-word, and then attacking them. <laughs> so, like, but obviously the context is different because it's in the southwest of England. So, um, yeah. but it sounds pretty much, I mean, I mean, assuming all of this is true, and I have no reason to believe you're lying, um, yeah. Or that anyone else is lying. We wanted to know was we wanted more information so we kind of knew what the situation was because of the second tweet that was kind of aimed at fans that were stood there. And then fans said that was not it's not what happened. So this is why assumptions get made because people then there's a big accusation, then people want to know. So and this is and that that is that is a weird one because the initial anger you can understand. But why would he say no one did anything if they? Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, it sounds like it was a regardless of whether it was a misunderstanding or not. It was an intense, uh, traumatic situation. So maybe his recollection isn't perfect. It'd be nice if he tried to elaborate on it. But like you said, he won't. What about? So you've been talking to the to the to the guy, well, we, the, the racist we, black person. We we have a mutual yeah a mutual friend. You say. Now, is there, is there any way you can actually have him on your podcast, or uh, it, we, it would be great? But I, I think uh, it would be huge. I, I think, I think it's just going to get buried because I think it's, I think it's probably in the best interest of everyone. To be honest, yeah, yeah, everyone. I, I, like I said, I, it, I don't like, I don't like things not making sense. It'll, exactly. bu- it'll, bu- it'll bug me forever now because I, I just want to know yeah. exactly, what, you know. Yeah, and I think that's what if like with JB on the Egg Chasers one, he's very much yeah. like me. Though, no, I need all the information so I can formulate a correct opinion of what's happened. No, exactly, exactly. So you then go out and try and find the information. Okay, this is the only information I've got, but it was left on a cliffhanger. So then I want to know. Um, I, but I also love drama, like yourself. 
So yeah. God, I love drama. I was telling you, I was telling you this, wasn't I? I was, I was, um, there was a bunch of workplace scandals at the bar I work at and, um, we were talking about them and I got so excited. I almost started sharing my own dirty secrets because that's how much I love gossiping. Just get myself in big trouble. Not that I've done anything wrong. Yeah. Um, told anyone no. Well, okay. So I'm none the wiser now. Because I, I, I do want to say, for all we... I mean, I suspect it's exactly what you've said, and this guy was pretty innocent. Maybe guilty only of being a bit stupid and thinking that he could walk around in broad daylight using that word. Um, I think there's a yeah a, maybe a, a situation of, like, two different people being in a dynamic situation and then both being ignorant of each other's cultures, effectively. Yeah, it's for some reason it's reminding me of uh, the '90s when I was a teenager, and a friend of mine was in McDonald's. I was yeah. also there, and uh, one of our friends walked in, and his nickname was Jip, like Jippo, because he like someone saw him when he was younger, like pick an apple out of a, a dustbin and eat it. <laughs> so, so he walks in, and my friend goes, "Ah, oh, look at old Jip." Jibbo coming in to steal some food and then it just coincidentally a homeless man was trying to walk in at that time and try to to uh, attack my friend when he said it and we're like this is not that is not what it sounded like yeah. so, but you know what the other thing I will say is with uh, interracial um, people um, people of mixed ethnicity um, there is racism within those groups and yeah. for all we know he actually was saying something directly to Hugo because he's more black than him. We don't know, but I doubt it. Um, this yeah, is why I, want, I wish I had, had all the details. Yeah, we had like a um, we had a bunch of Polish people where we worked, and um, they would all and then we found out like one was being bullied by the rest of them, and <laughs> nobody knew it was happening. It was all happening in Polish. Um, so then we had to say, right, well, you you can't speak Polish anymore because we need to make sure people aren't being bullied. Um, Amazing, yeah. Uh, that's the polls for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, we've done the Hugo thing. I think we took care of that as best as we can. There's a few things that we wanted to talk about. First of all, let's jump back to the Premiership for a minute because I tried to watch as much rugby as possible. But do you know what my biggest pet peeve in rugby right now that nobody. Nobody else cares about, everyone seems to think it's fine, but I think it's ridiculous. Is every bloody time I try and watch a rugby match, the commentators tell me who won the other match that I'm going to watch. Have you had to deal with that? Um, I'm okay with it because I, I won't watch something, really, unless it's live. Right. Well, I understand that. Yeah. But I understand the logic behind that. But what what is there to... I don't think it's a big loss to not be told during the match that you're watching what another result was. You could always find that out easily yourself anyway. To me, it's like there's more harm in doing it than not. Because it, it genuinely ruins my my day sometimes. Yeah. I'll be because I don't sometimes I'll say and uh, over at King's home. And once they do that, I'm really good at going like not listening. But but yesterday um, or not yesterday, whatever day it was, they just went. And Bath have beaten Exeter. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't care. You would care for different reasons than me. But did you watch that game? You did watch the game. You watched some of it. Uh, weirdly, I've just said what I said, but I actually watched it on catch up. So, um, oh, long, oh. 
yeah long story i did I had, it's the only game this year i watched live um and it was <laughs> but i knew the result and there's nothing worse than watching a game your team's lost when you know the result because it's just there's like, no way i do it there's no way i do it yeah well i kind of have to i'm doing a podcast relating to it so but so am i no i mean that's fair because i'm yeah. a saints fan but your point, your point is solid for um, league ma- just general league matches. Uh, if it's the last yeah. round of the Champions yeah. Cup, yeah, totally. I, I, I've said that. Yeah, when I've ranted about this in the past, I've said I understand when the results are actually affecting the outcome of the yeah. of the. And it's like when you have, I mean, it adds to the drama, right? I've accepted that when you're getting close to the playoffs or you're in the playoffs yeah. and they cut back and forth. And so, and they, as things stand, that makes sense. I would not complain about that, but we, just, we had, think, yeah, a few years ago, I think it was the Heineken cup. We were out, but then Claremont had like loads of added time. And I think the scrum half like made a really stupid play. And we, and, and, they lost the game and then we ended up getting out of the group because of that. And it was exciting. I remember that. Yeah. uh, I can't remember who the nine was. He was one of the, he's he's like a iconic French nine. Fuck. What was his name? Do you know me? But yeah, it made, that made it really interesting. So, so in that respect, it's fine. But yeah, in a league game, if you want to, if you don't want to know what happens, it's a, it's fucking annoying, isn't it? It is so fucking annoying, but I will say this. If Exeter Chiefs, back to the just the rugby in general, if Exeter Chiefs are having a hard time right now, my beloved Northampton Saints are playing the most attractive rugby, and it's actually winning rugby. Saints are known for playing exciting, scoring lots of tries, but also letting in a bunch. But they've they seem to have really um, cultivated this winning yet beautiful style of rugby. I love them. It's. The good thing with Saints, um, I actually remember remarking last year, I was like, the last two seasons of being a Chiefs fan, I went, That's, this is what it's been like for Saints fans for about 10 years. You never oh, yeah, know, no, it's been horrible, yeah. You never know if how good you are, because one week you'll have this incredible yeah. result, and the next week you get pummeled, and, it, and it's yeah. kind of been like that for a But always playing this nice rugby. Um, but it seems like you've tied up all the other stuff now. Yeah. I mean, the, the defence... The defense against uh, Saracens was almost more impressive than the attack. Yeah, but yeah, but the, but the you know, to to look at one team in the Premiership and just go, their handling seems to be better than everyone else's. Yeah, it's weird because these are all professional players; they should be approximately the same level. But I think Sam Vesti is a genuinely great attack coach, although I can't tolerate his existence because I watched him eat his bogey that one time. Do you remember that? Never live it down, will he? He will never I, live that way. I almost threw up. I'm really yeah. serious about stuff like that. Talk about th- that <laughs> hanging over your entire career. You're That's probably, his legacy. Yeah, he should probably be the England attack coach. Um, yeah. But all you can think of was, yeah, he got caught. Keeping <laughs> bogeys. On Spin Healy did him fucking dirty, didn't he? <laughs> But you had to. You can't get away with that. Oh, you're banged to rights. Yeah, you're fucked. Um, oh. Self to blame. But the but the, you know the brand of rugby he's put together is is incredible. And it's bit the attacking side's been amazing for about four years, isn't it? Really. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. 
well, who knows? Who knows what member, you know, Phil Dowson, I don't know a lot about him. I don't know how good of a coach he is. He must be good. But then again, like I said earlier, I can't, I, I don't really want to get too excited about any team in the premiership because Saints could end up losing the next four matches. It wouldn't be surprising. Chiefs could win all of theirs. It's like there's Harlequins, Saints, Saracens, even Bath. Yeah. That all look potentially the best, but I mean, Exeter could always come back. I mean, basically, every team in the Premiership looks capable potentially of winning, except Newcastle, who were just losers. And I don't mean that in a, I just mean that in the literal sense that they lose. They have a culture of losing now. Um, and I've played for a team that I played for more than one team that had that identity. Where I remember there was a team in New Mexico that I played for called the Brujos, Brujos, which is like a Spanish wizard, basically. Cool name. But I eventually stopped playing for them because they were so bad and they and no one would show up for training. And I'm like, we're not you can't win if no one's up for training. Anyway, um, I remember we won a game and it wasn't even a real match. It was uh, in a tournament. We won a match. And this was when I was about 21. And. Actually, I think I, was, I wasn't even 21 yet. I think I was about 20. I couldn't comprehend that we'd won. Like, I was walking around like, wait a minute, what? That's yeah. not supposed to happen. And so I know firsthand that you can develop a habit of losing and it can become... And I think Newcastle have that. But I was watching uh, Bristol beat the ever-living shit out of Gloucester this morning. And um, by the way, little Harry Randall running with his candle, candle fully lit. Never drip any on his sand. No, no dripping on the sandal. And he's still, in my opinion, the best scrum half of the country. But anyway, um, what the fuck has happened to Gloucester? Because Gloucester, when uh, was it, is it Skivington took over? Is it Skivington? Yeah, Skivington, yeah. Well, I remember he, like, I didn't know, because he was very recently retired when he took over as coach. And it seemed like a weird selection, but... They were just, they just looked, you know, Egg Chasers podcast have the joke that, you know, next season will be their season. But they really have been building and building and building. And now they look awful. It's it, the Gloucester thing is, uh, for the record, if, if there was no Chiefs, I would probably be a Gloucester fan because. Is that the closest other? It, it, I just love how kind of ghetto it is there. Like, it is good. And they do, um, they have a shed. Yes. Um, the shed is w- one of the best stands, like one of the best places to watch rugby from, in my opinion. Do you it's... know, that I've only ever been to one premiership stadium in real life. Right. Or, or, and I haven't been there virtually either. Um, and it was Welford Road. But it was to watch Saints play them there. And we lost. We, we, so we go to Gloucester every year um, for the Chiefs, Chiefs-Gloucester game. That's our like yearly away day. Mm. Um, we always go in the shed I've been punched in the shed before it's the most like intimidating atmosphere I've had at a rugby match um, I, and I do I do have a, a, a soft spot for Gloucester but I also know how like antagonistic the fans are so I'm also enjoying that there's like struggling it because on paper their team's pretty good but they yeah. just they just seem to be regressing in every aspect and it's it's um yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah, but like I, mean, I said, for all we know, they'll start winning next week and they'll, everything will flip on its head. So fuck all that. Um, now, we wanted to talk about... Sorry, I'm, I'm very badly segueing to, the, to, to a bit that I wanted to talk about. 
not a bit, but a topic. Um, yeah. We would first of all, there's a lot of news right now about the uh, issue with a uh, bunch of ex-players suing, suing yeah. the RFU. Uh, or the the world rugby? Yeah. Suing so, some kind of body fit for for Alzheimer's, dementias, uh, potentially other issues. Um, yeah. Do you know what I? This is one of the topics that I kind of don't really. I kind of ignore it, yeah. Um, because I find the whole thing kind of an, kind of annoying. I mean, like it, it. But but it. The reason I find it annoying is I can't wrap my head around it, and maybe that's because I have brain damage. I actually worry about this sometimes, you know, because um, I was recently. We both suffer from um, uh, ADHD, right? And yeah. um, and homosexual tendencies, um, yeah. and uh, and, uh, and so sometimes it's hard for me. Like most of the weird symptoms I have, I feel like I can connect to that. Yeah. But every now and again, I find myself going, "Jesus Christ, am I having like early onset dementia?" And to be clear, I played a lot of rugby, but I've only ever been—I've never been knocked out like cold. Yeah, I have been. Um, concussed i think twice because one time someone stamped on my head and uh one of my pupils was dilated for about 48 hours and apparently i should have been in hospital for that um and then another time i actually think i got concussed running somebody over it was a really big stocky indian native american in a, in a tournament i was playing in and i ran into him and i and i bounced him off i like won the collision but i did it with my belly and it looked really awesome it was like wow yeah i passed the ball and then all of a sudden i saw stars and i started i i came the closest i've ever come to passing out and i yeah. i think that would be considered a concussion i uh, probably probably it actually reminds me a bit we we termed this phrase called a dead card um dead. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i already yeah so basically you get sent off for a high tackle but you've knocked yourself out as well oh uh, yeah well that happens doesn't it i've definitely so, seen that yeah it's happened a few times but like when it happens everyone get, everyone gets really excited and like dead card there's a dead card that's a, that's such a fucking good idea i love it um but though no, i was gonna say tell me if this if you've ever had anything like this so i should also point out there's a history of just weirdness in my family there's no inbreeding as far as i'm aware so don't get excited about that. But um, my grandfather, I always remember, he was fucking weird, really weird. But my dad always said, yeah, everyone's worried that he's getting old and senile, but he's always been like this. And yeah. so I'm hoping that's what's going on with me. But uh, about a year and a half ago, I went through a couple of weeks where I would be, like, for example, driving home on a road that I had driven, a route that I had taken hundreds of times, and I yeah. suddenly forgot where I was. Hmm. And I'll, and I literally just used for about 20 seconds, which isn't a long time, but it's a really long time. It's a terrifyingly long time to just be like, I know that I know this place, but it doesn't look familiar to me. I should point out both times were at nighttime that this happened to me, but um, I literally used instinct. I just sort of found myself finding the way home. And then I was like, okay, now I know where I am. But I got completely disorientated. And it scared the shit out of me, and I don't know what it was. So sometimes I wonder things like that. Maybe I do have some kind of um, uh, you, 
trauma-induced. You could be ADHD. Could just be you're so overstimulated. But the but the interesting thing, I like. Wasn't a lot at the time. But like, I've I've known someone that's had the early onset dementia, and when it start when it started, it's it's like funny because they're just doing stupid things, and you're like, oh, fucking idiot. And it's almost amusing. And then, then you start realizing, okay, this is actually not amusing now. This is something like deeper lying. And then it becomes a concern. Where, yeah, the, the first part is they're like, oh, they get the wrong address on a Christmas card or something like that. And yeah. Laugh. Yeah. Um, well, I, yeah. Okay, let me run another scenario by you then, now that I've decided you're an expert. Um, a thing I do, I, on my, I'm on the record for saying this because it happens every podcast. I frequently forget what I'm talking about in the middle of a sentence. Yeah, I do that I all mean, the time. I, everyone does it to a degree, but it happens to me enough that it's something people recognize. That I'll be talking the way I am now with a clear um, sort of train of consciousness. And then I suddenly go, um, eh, what was I saying? Oh, and yeah. I'm done. Um, but another thing is I cannot. It's like a weird special retardation I have that I cannot know um, name like vehicle models and uh, years. Like I drive a, I know I drive a Ford Focus. I don't know what year it is. And my girlfriend has a blue truck, and I know it's a Chevy because when I connect my phone to her truck, it says Chevrolet. But um, she like finds it hilarious the amount of times that we'll leave we'll go shopping or something and if we're parked outside i'll just walk up to the first blue truck i see and start trying to get in it <laughs> yeah I, I just i'm like she'll be like what kind of car do what kind of truck do i drive i'll be the blue one yeah it's weird i just i and and it's a and with my you know here's, here's something really fucked up to remember my kids birthdays I have different mnemonic devices, but the best one is I know what year my oldest son was born in because it was the year after England won the World Cup. Right. That's the only way I can remember. Yeah, um, there definitely some like concerning um, signs, isn't there? And you, like you say, you don't know if that is just like a, a bit of your raised when you knock yourself out. Um, I think it's more likely, to be honest with you, that I'm just a bit fucking dumb. And, uh, I've had a lot of uh, just psychological trauma throughout my life. And that's another thing. I do know that the um, losing, like forgetting what you're saying is supposed to be a sign of like emotional trauma. So that's potentially a thing too. Speaking of emotional trauma, that brings me back to the, um, what the um, players suing for um, brain damage. But I heard on egg chasers podcast that Phil Vickery is involved in the lawsuit and he's suing because of emotional trauma, like mental trauma, rather oh, than what? physical. Well, I don't know if he's doing it. All I know from what they said is that he's in the lawsuit and he had a really bad back and emotional, um, like mental health problems. I don't know. It's like, I just fuck it's, it's Because Gavin Henson's one as well, right? Is he? Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, my general, okay, this, this doesn't sound bad. Like to me, rugby is a blood sport and the players are just collateral to the bloodbath. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the fact like yeah. that th- even in the like nineties and early two thousands when I was playing a lot. Yeah. 
I was a, a, an oblivious idiot. It's not like I put a lot of deep thought into what I was doing to myself, but I was well aware that there was risk and I was yeah. well aware of what the risks were. I may not have thought to myself, fucking hell, what if, you know, 40 years from now, I'm, I'm a habit, my memory's worse because of like, I didn't go that far, but I certainly yeah. knew what the risks were. And I knew that the risks were the reward. Um, uh, oh Christ. Now I can't remember what I was saying. See, it's just it, happened. But yeah, but, you, but this, this is it. You could have, you could have worked in an office for 20 years and then you're like, yeah, you're fat and you've got heart disease now. Oh, exactly. Done that for 40 years. And, and you're, then you're like, oh fuck, maybe I should have done a job. Like, I should have been a postman. So I was that's, walking. The, that's it. To me, it's like, Certainly players playing in the World Cup, World Cup winners like Steve Thompson and Phil Vickery, they knew exactly what they were doing. And, and, it, and it's unfortunate if they, if they have health problems caused by playing rugby, it's, it's, um, it is unfortunate. I just, and they can even be pissed off about it and be like, fuck, I didn't really know the extent of the damage that could have been done to me. But did, I mean... Are they suggesting that world rugby or it wasn't even around at the time, was it? It was the IRB or whatever. Or let's say the RFU in the case of English rugby. Are they, are they suggesting that the RFU were this nefarious organization that knew that these players were, were, were going to be permanently damaged and said, fuck it, let's destroy their lives anyway? That's what, I think it, feels it's, like. That's what it feels like they're saying. And I don't think... You know, I think at the onset of professionalism, you just watch the shapes of players in the first yeah. 10 just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, people like Vickery and Thompson, they would have been getting like sort of the early, so the, you know, the tail end of their careers would have been against these first like strength. Well, and the thing that annoys me with Steve Thompson is, I mean, talking about um, taking uh, responsibility for your choices, he was told to retire from rugby. By a doctor. Yeah. And he went back and played anyway. So that's yeah. kind of the mindset. And I don't have a problem with that, but <laughs> I see lo I, I see this loads. Um and I know a guy that had a re he got knocked out badly in a game of rugby and they let him but he apparently came to it, they let him play on. Um and he has some of the most harrowing symptoms from this long term concussion stuff. Migraines throwing up all the time yeah and that was always a weird one to me you know that's a really yeah. good point because i played rugby with a guy that was known for getting knocked out a lot yeah and even back then this would have been in like the year 2000 you know mm -hmm. like a 24 20, almost 24 years ago yeah. everybody was like are you sure you should keep playing this can't be good for your brain yeah it's obviously not working out and so we all knew um, and but and we talked when we talked yesterday. We tried to podcast yesterday, and we ended up having a really great conversation, which probably would have been at least as good a, as good of a podcast as the one we've done. <laughs> but um, uh, we were talking about women's rugby, and this isn't a, you know, you know what? I'm not even going to preface pref preface this statement with uh, some kind of supportive statement about women's rugby because I I don't care. But if these people that are super super concerned with player health. Um, if they're being completely genuine, they should probably be trying to ban women's rugby because I told you, Mooney, yeah. every tournament I've ever played in where there was a women's uh, competition happening at the same time, at least one ambulance would show up and it was always for a girl who got knocked out because they get knocked out 
really easily. It's like, especially here in the southwest of the U.S., the grounds are really hard. Yeah. It's dry. And, yeah. they're just, you know, on most people, and maybe this is true everywhere, usually when someone gets knocked out here, it's because their head hits the ground. Yeah. Well, it's like when you, you play in rugby in summer, it's shit because the grounds are like... That's what it's like here. Yeah, it's horrendous. You, you, know, you, you, fall, you dive to the floor, it's like dumping on concrete, yeah. Oh, um, it's horrendous. I remember playing actually in England. I, I've got this permanent memory of going to Cambridge again yeah. for a, tournament, a youth rugby tournament, and the ground was just cracked. And I was like, "This is like a cheese grater. You can't get tackled." Yeah, on this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know the exact thing you mean. Like all the mud is kind of carved into these lines, and yeah, no. and that's the worst bit about the like preseason games you play or the tail end of the season when it gets too warm, like hot. You know, the best time for rugby is deep winter when it's pissing it down and just a bog for me um, yeah the, the, i was just go, just on the point of that um the court case i think the court has have, have said i need like detailed medical history of all these players that are in the court in this um in these procedures because uh, to me it's like if you're i see like courtney laws always has concussion issues now always just retire literally just retire it's it must get to a point when you're in an age of rugby where the the risk is now the reward is no longer worth the risk right so i i don't i don't i just my opinion and i, I think especially with the players now they, they're getting told all of the stuff but i think mm. a problem with a lot of them is they've got nothing else to do mm. And they're yeah. earning all right money, really. If if you're earning like, even the guys that are on thirty to forty grand, that's an all right wage in parts of the UK. Yeah, and, and they've lined nothing else up, and they just think, oh, I'll keep going, I keep going, and then the yeah, hindsight, so, oh, yeah, fuck. yeah, I I totally agree. And I was just thinking, like, with the players nowadays saying that they weren't made aware of the risks or whatever, or not given, pro you know. For a fact that if somehow the say the England rugby, English rugby was aware of just how severe the risks were, if they had said to every player in that World Cup squad, hey, just so you know, there is a risk of, you know, blah, 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 20 years down the line, um, sign here, please, so you can keep playing. Every single one of them would have signed it and not given a fuck. But this, yeah, but it's the like the high of winning a World Cup. It's worth it. It, yeah well it's oh here's some cocaine right it's not good for you but the high is going to be amazing you know it but people still take it all the time yeah but Just, not now there's um fentanyl dangers of yeah. fentanyl on it so maybe oh, okay. that's, that's a good analogy for what's going on with rugby because i've said that too like don't get me wrong i am obsessed with rugby i love it i i i probably focus on it more than i should as a distraction from my own problems but Every now and again, I say to like, I'm like, when we're talking about safety, health and safety, and they keep changing the laws and tweaking things to turn it into this weird version of the, the game. Sometimes I'm like, do you know what? Just if it's that bad, just ban it. Because like, this might sound like a really stupid thing for someone in my position to say, but sometimes I like maybe, maybe it isn't worth it. Because yeah. I have children and my two boys, like my youngest son would probably be really good at rugby, but yeah. I would be very 
hesitant to get him involved in it just because as much as I love it, it's, it is dangerous and it does have risks. And would I rather, I mean, if, if certainly if he, if he was in the, in England and they played rugby at school and he did it and he had a talent for it, then I would support him. But given the choice, I'd rather he was really into another sport. Um, And as I'm saying, it sound like a massive hypocrite because I'm about to get him into boxing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, but I'm doing, I'm going through this with my son at the minute. I think he needs to play rugby. He's nine. He's five foot one and 50 kilos. So, uh, and and he needs it, right? It's perfect. And these are the glory years. And I just said, look, you play rugby until you stop winning all of the collisions. If you're not winning 90% of your collisions, quit. Yeah. (laughs) Because then you're getting hurt. Then you let someone else do it. Yeah, you're but, probably right. Yeah, my son's 10. Um, I actually don't even know how tall he is, but he's fucking massive. Yeah. Um, and not that, that not that you have to be massive to be good, good at rugby, obviously, but um, it helps. Um, it helps at that age. If you're... I just saw a video of this, um, like, these, like, like mini rugby, and there's some giant Polynesian kid who yeah. has matured twice as much as the other kids and they're like like and the everyone's like wow what a talent to me it's like again do we care about player safety because that isn't fair that isn't a good i know they're the same age but that's insane in that situation they should play age grades up um and everybody knows it everybody um reasonable would agree with that because it's like no one's benefiting from it he's not benefiting from it because but I do, I do remember being young at a sevens tournament. We, I must have been about 14, 13 maybe. And there was a huge, I think he was a Fijian lad. And he fucking was, he was just ro- running riot. And then our coach yeah. said, just track him. Don't try and tackle him till the very end. And, and we let him like return the ball three times, tackled him, and then he was fucked. <laughs> then he couldn't run. Oh, that's genius. So we just we let him burn himself out, tackled him at the last last minute, and then he he That's was amazing. Into- yeah, so That's smart. It's good coaching. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm also on the record for saying that we we shouldn't try to we shouldn't encourage or help the uh, Polynesian teams because they'll be too good, and it's already started to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what a low point that was! You know, I watched Fiji beat England uh, while I was in Vegas. Um, and I was so upset with the way it was going, I started ignoring it and having sex. But then, did you hear me talk about this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I heard us losing as I was... Do you know what? This is disgusting. I'm sorry. It didn't occur to me to how, 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 how uh, disgusting and probably not nice to listen to that was until someone was actually on the other end and I could see your expression. Um, although you did start wanking, so that was... Sorry about that. Yeah. But that's the that's the fear thing again, isn't it? Yeah. Um okay, so, so the Alzheimer's dementia thing. I think can we just everybody knows that if there was no money to be gained, it probably wouldn't be being brought up. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that. Um, yeah, and it'll get settled out of court probably. Unless unless so there's two things, and this is gonna come onto a point that you you'd mentioned we could touch on. The only thing that seems to be more um, desirable to just people in general nowadays than money is, well, there's two other things. 
the appearance of being um, progressive. Yeah. And with that, um, the best feeling for people is where they is when they can paint themselves as a victim. Like that's better than money for someone to. I have a theory about this, by the way. I have a theory as to why um, it's not very profound, but my theory on why um, there's so many, you know, incidents like the Hugo Monnier one. Um, although that's not a great example, but um, it's why there's a, you know, there's a there's a constant uh, uh, straight white men are evil um, yeah. thing throughout society is that everybody everybody's life is hard we all suck in some way and it's really really nice to be able to blame somebody else yeah. so um on that note we were talking about uh uh naming some rugby victims did we talk about that rugby victims no we was we, we, did, we said we were going to do um oh that's right no we yeah. were going to do that. We we're going to do a rugby dementia 15 or yeah. head trauma 15. Let's do that. But you definitely did say a thing. Maybe you just, it was a, um, there was definitely a comment there about p victims in rugby. And I know there was, because I wrote down rugby and then in uh, quotation marks, victims. And yeah. uh, just really quickly, since I brought it up, I've got mm. Danny Cipriani. Yeah. Yes. The ultimate for me, by the way, I've never been more disappointed in a player or former rugby player than Danny Cipriani, because when he was playing, I felt like he was very much a victim and, and very hyped up beyond what his talent actually was for a while there. Um, yeah. But what I loved about him was the last time I heard him talking, he was like a Jesus type figure, like talking about, he just seemed to have his shit. So together, he yeah. talked about how his, uh, all of his motivation came from how much he loved his wife. And then it turns out he's fucking, I mean, no judgment from me necessarily, except that if you're going to paint this picture that you are a Messiah type person, please do not let me down. <laughs> yeah. That, well, the, the trouble when people do that, people will, you know, it's a bit like Russell Brand, isn't it? Thing. And well, I, I almost mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. But people like attach their um, personality to these people. And then when it, like the waters get muddied, they're like, Oh fuck! And they do it's almost like that's happening to me, um, but the, yeah, Cipriani's hilarious because he's he's constantly been the victim, and he's, the common denominator is always seems to be him. And yeah. he, he, some of the podcasts he's done this year have been hilarious. Yeah. He's, he's just like people just need to le learn how to deal with me being a dickhead, basically. If you can't, <laughs> you can't. Yeah, yeah, you're, 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 you're definitely right. But I'm so stupid. I like bought into it. I because I. I'd gone from having that opinion of him to listening to him going, oh, maybe he is, maybe he is a great man, but he's not. Um, yeah. I have a rule. And actually, when we started our podcast, I said to uh, Dave, I said, don't put anyone on a pedestal because they're just people. And if they leave chiefs under a like black cloud, we have to be able to just, they're dead to us. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the one thing I love about being British more than anything else is like when beloved people have a downfall and they just go down hard, you know, like Philip Schofield or something like that. And you, think, yeah. you had it all. You had it all. As soon as it, it starts going, I just, I love nothing more than that. So it's, mm -hmm. um, 
it's just, it's something I I just enjoy. But um, there are yeah, there's we say victims in rugby. Stuart Hogg's a, a great one. Oh um, yeah. He last year he was arguing with fans on the Chiefs Facebook group about his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Three times. What are you doing in here? And um, my hair, my choice. Actually, it's not your hair, but um, <laughs> that's the irony. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that kind of ties into the Farrell stuff, doesn't it? The um, you can't do anything about social media, right? Well, I mean, I actually Farrell was the second one on my um, on my list. But you, like, and and one thing everyone's saying, oh, social media, but then Mark McCall was like, no, actually, it's mainstream media mainly. Yeah. All, you, you've been writing and then you could see on um, TNT Sport, they were like, well, he's kind of pointing at us here, isn't he? Because we're the mainstream media. And um, he, he he did get thrown under the bus, didn't he? After the, uh, when he was basically retried for the same tackle twice. Oh, yeah. sure. that was, which never happened to anyone before. No, that was bullshit. And I, I almost lost my mind on, on Twitter with that when that happened. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't even have him there. But you know what? That's all I did. I don't even know why I brought up the rugby victims list. I was hoping you had a bigger one because I only had the two. Because I don't want to put um I don't want to put Hugo Monier on there because I don't I don't know enough. Yet. Um yet. Did you say yes or yet? Yet. Yeah. Okay, good. Um all right, let's do you want to try and do a dementia 15? I should warn you that I only have a pack. Yeah, I mean, that this kind of, I mean, the, 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 I think we did say it. there's a lot of potentials. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you would think, I mean, the amount of times George North's been knocked out. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. See, that's a classic. If he, if he gets dementia, he can't blame anyone else. No. I mean, talk about social media, um, the, the influence of social media. Everyone was saying he shouldn't be allowed to play. Yeah. And that's the trouble, though, isn't it? It's like we're, we're doing this really bad taste dementia 15. But most of them, are, you know, they just keep playing and they've had all of these warnings, but don't stop. And we, we see it from professional level all the way down to the, you know, the lower level. And then sometimes you will see players say, yeah, they, they just stopped because they're having concussion issues. They're the ones that are actually heeding the warning. Yeah. Aren't they? So, yeah. Um, um. God. All right. Well, I, I still want, you know, I'm going to do it bad taste or not, but it's not a Dementia 15 unless you can make up the rest of these. In fact, looking at my list now, are you still there? I'm still here. Okay. Sorry. I cut, I went to my uh, list and then I lost sight of you. Um, it's more like six and a half. Well, do you I'm... have a loose head? Hey, do I have a loose head? Yeah. What an, what a, what a, um, ironic name for what we're talking about. <laughs> give me give me your front row so i couldn't think of a, a loose head prop because vickery was a tight head right i couldn't he play both sides okay well we'll put him on both sides then because all the only person i could think of was uh, uh i put joe marler for loose head but that's only because he annoys me well he 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 has a lot of mental health issues doesn't he so yeah i mean he has yeah um I put and then Phil Vickery, I put a tight head, but whatever, because he's in that lawsuit. I don't know. And then Hooker is the easiest one because it's Steve Thompson. Yeah, well, it's the most obvious, isn't it? Yeah. But the, I mean, there's plenty of hookers. 
that, that uh, you know, I mean, Cowan Dickey, his, he's knocked himself out loads of times. Oh, he's yeah. Yes. He, he got 70% use of his arm or something. Um, his Jeez. next... Yeah. Do you know, when you said use of his arm, it just made me think the worst injury I've ever seen was um, for Northampton Saints. They have, fuck, I can't remember his name now. Do you remember they hit that Australian centre? And he tackled and they just severed his nerve in his arm or something. Yeah, because like it was the most disturbing injury I've seen because he falls on the ground and yeah. you saw him try and get up. Yeah. He's like lifting his head up and he just kept falling back down. And it looked, you just knew something really bad had happened. Yeah. Because it, it almost looked like he was drugged or something. He couldn't... And it, and oh. it, it's something like to do with a nerve thing, right? And, and then he, he just permanently damaged a nerve and now he has his arm like in a, sl- in a sling for the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, but anyway, no, okay, this could... I could be going too far with this one, but I'm actually... In no way am I mocking them. I actually... Um, ready. So this is the thing. I was, first of all, I would preface this with saying... It would be very distasteful to name Doddy Weir and Ed Slater here, okay? <laughs> I'm just, but you got to do anyway. But but what I'm saying, like, this isn't a joke. No, I actually just wanted to mention this because motor neuron disease might be the most terrifying fucking thing that I've seen, and yeah. if it's linked to rugby, which I think it, I think contact sports are linked. You know, there's a link. Um, first of all, it's the saddest most awful i mean everything about it it's like it's almost like the new uh hiv because now if you get hiv or aids you can basically you can be gareth thomas you can be fine but like motor neuron disease you you see these people waste away and die and it's fucking just the most horrifying thing possible and um such a spot-on thing to say it's like the new aids it's just it Although it was around when AIDS was around, I imagine, but it's just yeah. a it's just a curse, isn't it? As soon as you get it, yeah, you're what? fucked. And and it comes from just wanting to have fun. Yeah. So, but like, I would say this though, as horrible as it is, if there's if there is a link between it and rugby, which I suppose there must be. I mean, there's Doddy Weir, um, Yus van der Vesthazen, Ed Slater. Now there was uh, well, who's the rugby league guy? I can't remember. Uh, uh, who? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, statistically, it's still so rare that it's probably not the kind of thing you can really. Yeah, it's probably statistically rare in rugby as a whole, but maybe in the top in the top end, it's actually not that rare. Oh, that's a good point. And it's, actually, it... now that you've made that point, for all we know, it is maybe it happens more than we think. Because I was talking to. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Someone in the rugby brethren said he knew a guy that he played with that got motor neuron disease. And he, and uh, actually, I probably shouldn't share any more about that. Um, yeah. But it was obviously a horrible ending. Oh, so yeah, like that wasn't supposed to be entertainment, but I just couldn't think of any, I can't think of any actual second rows who have retired from concussion or had a lot of concussion. I mean, there must be tons. And that's the thing, but the thing with the motor neurons is they don't know for sure yet, but there is some data that may, it is kind of leading to that. In the, it, over the whole rugby playing pool, it's not, but in the, you know, in the extremes, that it is a higher yeah. risk. Um, yeah, and then it's like, it's tricky because, you know, if it happened to someone you cared about, 
let's say, I mean, let's say it happened to you, or if it happened to yourself. Yeah. That's not fair. Let's say it happened to, uh, I'm not going to, let's say it happened to someone's son. The parent of that son would be thinking, fuck, I hate rugby. I wish that rugby didn't exist, you know? Yeah. And it would be right to say it. That's why I say sometimes I do think, well, maybe we shouldn't even have it. I don't know. But then again, it's like, you can't nerf the world. You can't, there's risk in everything that's worth doing. And, you know, if your goal is to avoid anything bad ever happening, then let's all just go into permanent lockdown, stay indoors, and we'll die of uh, lack of exercise. I don't know. We'll just atrophy. I should end right there. That would be the, the mic drop. Well, I'm not going to. Um, I do want to say really quickly before I forget, we're talking about these people with who are suffering from uh, early onset dementia. Do you know what a really, really good way of um, preventing it is? Um, there's probably a few, but one of the best ways is limiting carbohydrates. And like a ketogenic diet is incredibly good for the brain and statistically massively decreases your chances of of Alzheimer's. Very interesting. So to any rugby players dealing with it, I would suggest, you know, go ahead and sue the sue um, world rugby. But also you might want to just change your diet a bit and see if it helps. Yeah, see if it helps your brain fix itself. Yeah. Um, back okay. Row. Back row. Alex Popham, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Welsh guy. Yeah. He yeah. was one of the first ones that I heard talking a lot about um, dementia, like at a young age. But yeah, then his, what... his was interesting because he said, although he said actually getting the diagnosis was almost a relief because it answered just a lot of I questions. Exactly what, I know exactly what he means, actually, because I had a health problem years ago and um, I won't bore anyone with all the details, but it was something that doctors couldn't really diagnose. And yeah. I remember going, I, I remember thinking, I, if, they, if I went in there and they said, oh, you have this form of cancer, I'd have been relieved because I'd have something to fucking blame and like a name for it and i'd have a plan of action yeah so, yeah yeah that's and i think sometimes that's what people need it's like look just tell me what i'm dealing with so i yeah. know what, so i'd know where you're not in this state of limbo um and also for your family's sake that, you know it's like it's like the motor neurons thing you you get that it's like well i got two years if i'm lucky it is the worst oh god it's horrendous uh, yeah. Well, this, is, this is really depressing. I love it. Uh, open side flanker, I got Michael Lippman because he uh, we did a lot of things that could have messed his brain up, it sounds like. But um, but I, what is he? He the same old, same shit. He's got early onset dementia. Is that right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Someone did... pointed out that he was also doing a lot of blow, a lot of cocaine when he was at Bath. So I don't think that that actually scared me. Not that I've done a lot of cocaine. I, I uh, I exaggerate that. Um, it's probably not going to help the situation, is it? I don't know. There's only one way to find out. <laughs> um, we'll run some studies. I'll yeah. do the cocaine, and you'll be the. Uh, you could be a placebo. You'll Fine. you'll snort talcum powder. That. Um, 
Okay, and then uh, my last one that I got was Ryan Jones because he's the next big one. I think he's pretty new to. But it's like I feel like it's just going to be a case of who raises their hand. Yeah, so many people. I feel like Andy Powell's got to be one of them eventually because like his list of mental things he's done. uh, Yeah, it it, it can't. it can't, you know, it must be linked. Like, and that's that's the worrying thing. Like, when you just have this really weird, bizarre behavior, it's, there's usually an explanation for it. And yeah, it's probably head trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Like, sometimes you just came out, your head got squeezed when you're coming out of your mum's, you know, what's and put pressure on a part of your brain or you were dropped as a baby or whatever. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Blood trauma, me. But, but it's obviously going to be, it's, more it's going to be more common in yeah front rowers and back yeah pack players and then i know used to um had as he was a scrum half god on my sometimes i think though like here's a bit this is a little bit philosophical um but i always thought with jonah lomu like when you're that incredible when you have that much physical talent it's almost like the universe gives you a certain number of points that you can spread. And if you put them all into being that amazing of a player, there's going to be a downside. And you're in his case, he had this kidney problem and he died, you know, yeah. like used yeah. van der Vestesen was almost the same because he was, in my opinion, hands down the greatest scrum half to ever play the game. I mean, he was fucking amazing. Like when I was a teenager, like in the nineties watching him, it was just mind blowing. And um, and sometimes I think, like, don't get me wrong, it's probably, nothing's probably worth getting motor neuron disease, but to have his life, his career, and and be able to do the things he did on a rugby pitch, some people would be like, yeah, I'll die at 50 for that, or whatever it was. Yeah, we I remember having this discussion about George Best. <laughs> you hear all the stories about George Best, and you yeah. go, I'm going to die at 55, but actually live the first 55 years like he did. Um, oh, it'd be great. It would have been great, but it, it, it's an inter- it is an interesting thing because some people are always going to chase the high, and you could live a boring life, never have these highs, die when you're old, but you know, never have anything to show for it. I suppose we could say in the case of George Best, that was his own choice, though. <laughs> like yeah, Lomu and uh, the stories um, like George Best in Vegas when you know he's like. Miss Worlds naked in his hotel room and things, and you just think, well, you know, he's 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 enjoyed himself, um, and, and then and there's a, there's everything has a um, maybe you only get a certain amount of points in life, and if you spend them on the massive highs, you're going to get penalised elsewhere. Yeah, I, I've said that. That's my theory. Like I was explaining this to that piece of shit AJ Martinez, and he thought it was stupid. But if you look at like say a, um, I sort of have this idea that yeah, everyone has the same amount of happiness in their life and it's about how they spread it out so because if you look at like a, a crackhead or a meth head right let's say they die at 22 in a gutter well yeah. they were doing meth for about 10 years obviously it's not a good idea to do it but there must be a reason they do it and i yeah. bet when they are high it's so fucking good it's like all of our favorite moments, the 2003 World Cup, the time that you first got laid, all this stuff, all condensed into just that one moment. And it must be, and it's so good that they say, I don't really give a shit about anything else in life, you know? 
And so when they die, yeah, it sucks to die at 21 and it sucks to die in a gutter, but they've had just the same amount of happiness you'll have and you'll have the same amount of suffering. It'll just be spread out more. You're making this sound like we should be doing meth. No, well, it depends if it's, you know, I mean, you want, shall we? I'm just kidding. No. Um, no, I mean, I wouldn't do it because, but that's because I've got ego problems and I care too much about my, uh, my physique and stuff. I mean, it would probably get me very, very lean. I'd get shredded, yeah. probably get some really good workouts in, but eventually my body would fail me. It's no good. I think my girlfriend just walked in, so I'm going to finish this uh, now because we're, we're coming up on one and a half hours. That's, yeah, that's more than enough. It's, it's what you're like, I was done 45 <laughs> minutes ago. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, it's my daughter, not my girlfriend. Um, either way, I'll end it here. Yeah. Really, that was a pleasure, as always. As always, mate. Yeah. You have to do it again. Um, Anytime. Yeah. Um, anything? Oh, well, I, I guess I'll just tell the sheddies. Yeah, check out uh tribe talking podcast uh yeah it's it's it, it must be bloody good because i listen to it and i'm not an exeter chiefs fan yeah well that's yeah that's what we try you know we try not to talk too much about chiefs but yeah we have to <laughs> so yeah but when you do it's interesting to everybody especially when the latest drama kicks off so yeah even just to hear about uh the 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 hugo monnier incident it's worth people checking it out um all right. Any social media you want to plug? Do you have an Instagram? You don't care. Tribe talking, but I'm not that bothered. Yeah, it's not. You know, I, you, you don't you need. To, yeah, just you could tell them where to find us, and yeah. You see, some would say that that's um, unprofessional. I would say it's cool. <laughs> I'm just not that beggy. No, that I have. I'm like that too. I don't like to beg. Yeah. Uh, if, I almost don't want people to listen. I don't need them. Yeah, I, you know, I always, I always say, if Chiefs went bust, it would put me out of my misery. But oh shit, yeah. Well, no, I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your listeners, um, your, listeners, your listeners hold you to account for the littlest things, and you're just like, fuck off. Oh yeah, don't get yeah. me started on on Aaron Reed. I already told you about that. Uh, <laughs> Um, my, my listeners like to, uh, gaslight me, yeah. uh, cause they know I'll, I'm, uh, childish and will rise to the bait. Anyway, that's it. I said, I said before we started that I'm really bad at ending podcasts and you said I should end it on a mic drop, but I'm just going to end sort of flaccidly. Okay. Okay. So thanks Mooney. We'll see you another time. Ciao. Okay. I'm just stopping the recording. Well, you're just the greatest thing, and I really... Listen, I'd sing it a lot better than that, but my girlfriend's trying to fucking sleep, alright? So I hope you're happy.